going on, everybody? Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of the Welch Report with me, Jean-Luc Welch. Make some noise, clap it up, get excited wherever you are. We're back again with another edition. Thank you so much for tuning in to hopefully the greatest show on all the globe, the Welch Report. We're trying to get there thanks to your help. Just remember, if you're watching on YouTube, leave a like on the video, comment on some opinions, subscribe to the channel, and share with everybody that you know so we can build up this empire together and make a phenomenal community you know so i can make some moolah as well living my dream doing what i do for the betterment of hopefully the sports world and you oh yeah rapper on the side let's go <laughs> oh boy that was horrible but anyway check it out look what we got going on for our viewers on youtube look at this the likes the likes the new camera angles it's slightly new but you get what i'm saying ain't it great Tell me how you feel. We're trying to make adjustments. Like I said, we're improving, making the show better and better and better for you, the viewer and listener, because you deserve it wholeheartedly. And But I got to hear some feedback, though. Remember, the whole point of me making that back wall, some of y'all said in the comments, hey, Jay, we're just starting out. Uh, so, you know, hey, had to, had to <laughs> do what I could do with what I had to do with. But made some changes there again we're making changes as well hopefully this looks a little better don't you love the lighting the whites look whiter the blacks look blacker and i was black as can be so the contrast looks incredible well i'm brown caramel caramel being on your um side of the country and dialect as you choose to enunciate and pronounce said word but you get what i'm saying hopefully i glow like the morning sun on a dirt not dirt on the topsoil of a beautiful garden. If you get what I'm saying, I'm elegant, I'm beautiful, I'm handsome. It shows every fiber of my uh, amazing being. <laughs> that's, that's hopefully. I'm, a, I'm Picasso walking amongst the living. That's what I am. <laughs> oh, boy. At least, at least I try to be. <laughs> I'm a living Mona Lisa. That's what I'm trying to look like anyway. And hopefully this lighting helps out with that process and does me some justice. But tell me what you think. Tell me how you feel and all that stuff so we can make this show bigger and better for you, the viewer, like I already said. But nice of these and shenanigans out the way. Let's get into what we're going to talk about today. We are going to talk about the NBA. Yes, it will in another episode. I know I've been trying and been promising, hey, we're going to cover the other sports this channel has been covering other sports. Don't get it twisted. I'm going to cover the other sports. However, during the hiatus of me being gone, handling the new lights, new lighting, and getting some stuff fixed, also getting some arrangements going on for the future. And again, big news I teased the last episode is still in the works. Hoo hoo Ha ha ha. He he he. Evil laugh and all that stuff. And thanks to you, it was possible. So thank you so much for watching. But we're going to get that. We're going to cover that. Don't get it twisted. But right now... We got to cover the world of boxing and the world of UFC because so much stuff has happened since I was gone and we have to talk about it all. So let's get right into it with one of my favorite segments, Step Into The Ring. That's right. Let's get it started. Ring the bell. It's time to fight and it's time to cover the world of combat sports. So for round one, going off of it was two weeks ago. The mega fight, the biggest fight of the year, and from box office records, one of the biggest fights of all time, at least, you know, money-wise. Ryan Garcia versus Javante Tank Davis ends in a seventh-round KO from a body shot by 
Tank Davis. And it went just about like I thought it was going to go. Granted, I called it in the ninth round. It was going to be a stoppage or a knockout. Happened in the seventh. Hey, what did do? I'm still right. Ha-ha. But <laughs> no, I'm messing. I'm messing. Right or wrong doesn't matter. I just gave my opinion. Thankfully, I hit it on the nose uh, somewhat. But you get what I'm saying. Either way, fight happened. Phenomenal fight. Big Payday for both fighters. Phenomenal atmosphere. One of the biggest fights in America in a long, long time. My goodness, they had the boxing world buzzing, and hopefully it does better for the sport as a whole, like we've talked about in the past, with getting fighters to actually fight other top dogs, regardless of record. And regardless of record, by that I mean undefeated records mean nothing if you don't fight somebody else who's on that same level. And hopefully this fight has paved the way for others to say, you know what, let me get a piece of that pie. Let me start taking some risk. Let me start getting in danger and fight some of the best and make these mega events happen so I can start getting a piece of this payday that these other fighters are being able to get because they're putting their pride aside and their records on the line. Love to see it. So glad that we got to see Ryan Garcia and Tank actually get it done, have it go off. Have a great event. Phenomenal. Got to love when boxing's at its best. But breaking down the fight in and of itself, it went just about how I expected and how the world really expected it. Again, Tank is just too smart. Javante Tank Davis showed why he is arguably deserving of being on the pound-for-pound pound list in terms of best fighters in the world from a talent perspective. Accolades, that is a whole nother story. But talent-wise, this man is the real deal. And he showed it in this fight. Did what he always does in the fight. To start out, waited, kind of didn't throw a whole bunch of punches in round one. Like we know Tank to do. Is slow to get off the block because he analyzed his opponent. Did just that. Ryan Garcia did the same thing. Was wary and both were respectful of each other's power, pop, and speed. Understandable. Second round, however, boom, quick as lightning, Ryan Garcia says it's time to fight, and he gets over-aggressive. And what does he do? Goes in for the kill and actually has to tank on the ropes for a little bit. And then what do you know? A, a, a hook going awry for Ryan Garcia leads to a shot, a great left-hand hook in return to Ryan Garcia and knocks him down. Ryan Garcia gets up in a phenomenal, admirable feat of, honestly, defiance. And his overall heart, because most people, again, Roller Romero, if they get hit like that, they ain't getting up. That's what it's been for the mother for the majority of people that fight tank. If you get hit that flush off a counter that open, oh no, you're not getting up. And he actually got up. Fight continued, and we just got to see the elevation of tank as he just continued to, like an onion, peel away at different tactics and peel away to reveal the skill set that he has. In total, was using lateral moving, moving around the ring, making Ryan feel uncomfortable, having Ryan chase him instead of Ryan, and taking away Ryan's ability to use a height advantage. And his overall explosiveness and speed caused some problems for Ryan as well, made him have to respect him even more, especially after the knockdown when he saw how quick he can capitalize on a mistake. And then next thing you know, seventh round comes by, the round before, in the sixth round, Ryan Garcia actually had some momentum, was actually fighting well, actually had caught him, and was doing good. And in the seventh round, 
Same thing seems like, okay, hey, maybe this fight's starting to change a little bit. Tank Steel, overall, fighting way better. Ryan Garcia is finding some success with the right hand, the straight right, and I'm going to touch on that later. And then, boom, same thing happens again like in round two. Over-aggressive hook, Tank slips it, and then with, shoot, a punch that I didn't even see when it first got done. A straight left to the liver. Taz Ryan Garcia back up, then has him on the knee, and he can't get up and he can't continue. Just go to show the absolute general-like IQ that Tank Davis has when it comes to boxing. This man in this fight just displayed everything that you wanted to see. And you know what? This wasn't even his hardest fight. It wasn't his hardest fight. We were expecting, again, I was expecting this to be the toughest fight if Ryan Garcia took advantage of all the physical capabilities that he had. But he didn't. And he let his inexperience really show through and let the levels of IQ really become apparent when he was going to fight Tank Davis. Ryan Garcia was nowhere near the level that he needed to be in order to actively be able to give Tank a run for his money. Not because he doesn't have the talent, he doesn't have the, the experience nor the IQ at this moment in time. So this was not Tank Davis's hardest fight. Mario Barrios was harder than this fight. You could argue Hector Garcia was harder than this fight. You could Isaac Cruz was definitely harder than this fight. I would love to see a rematch between them. Yes, I think I know how it's gonna go, especially if Tank doesn't have a injured wrist like he did in the Isaac Cruz fight. But either way, that was a tougher affair. Both of those fights were a tougher affair. Mario Barr is a tougher affair. Hector Garcia is a tougher affair. Isaac Cruz is a tougher affair. Leo Santa Cruz, a tougher affair. This was this was nothing really difficult for Tank. It was just a matter of capitalizing. That's all. And the biggest thing they had to worry about was the speed of Ryan Garcia. But Ryan Garcia, while he has great hand speed, in terms of overall explosiveness, he's slow. Which is it's not crazy to say if you watch the fight. He's slow. In terms of raw hand speed, yes, Tank is not as fast as Ryan Garcia. We understand it. We understand it. But in this fight, you it almost looked like Tank was able to consistently beat him to the punch. And or just in the out and out exchanges, he looked quicker. And it's because, yes, while Ryan has overall fast hands, there's something to be said about technique. And that's what Tank has. Tank has learned to master the art of compact power and compact delivery, which is something that Ryan doesn't, at this level, doesn't have, at least compared to Tank, who is of the upper echelon in not only the division, but in the entirety of boxing. And that combination of good technique coupled with great explosiveness and also understanding how to streamline everything you do for your delivery system, in the words of Teddy Atlas, his delivery system was on point. It was straightened to the point, from point A to point B. Everything looked nicer, cleaner, more technical, 
And that was just the story of the entire fight. And because of that better overall technique, he was able to consistently outspeed Ryan Garcia. He even said in the corner, what when he when Floyd Mayweather asked him, what does Ryan have in terms of skill set? And he was like, nothing. It was like nothing. And he even said in the locker room after the fight, yo, Tank, or excuse me, Ryan is slow. He's actually slow. In terms of movement speed, in terms of how he's able, just overall fighting, he's slow. His hands are quick, don't get me wrong. But overall, he's not a fast fighter. He just has fast hands. You can maybe compare that to Andy Ruiz. In terms of Andy Ruiz is not a fast fighter, but he does have some of the quickest hands in boxing, or at least in the heavyweight division. He's got some of the quickest hands in the entire division. Quicker than Anthony Joshua, as he saw when he knocked him out. Quicker than Deontay Wilder. Quicker than Tyson Fury. Quicker than Usyk, to be perfectly honest, even though Usyk is out and out a way better fighter. But again, fastest hands don't equate to a fast boxer. Tank is a faster boxer than Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia's hand speed, yes, is quicker, but he can't utilize that to the fullest, at least now, as we've seen from this fight. Because the fact is, over, he's not a quick fighter. And this discrepancy of talent showed so much that this is shoot brought other questions for Tank. Should he fight Shakur? When will he fight Shakur Stevenson? When is, when is, when is he going to go for the belt? Can't wait for the fight between him and Devin Haney, him and Lomachenko, him against Tiafimo Lopez. There's so many avenues that are opened up now that he's gotten the biggest fight in terms of overall appeal out the way. There's still work to be done in terms of actually getting the title of being the number one guy in your division by getting belts, by going for championships, by becoming undisputed potentially if you can get to that level. But the point still stands, now that we've gotten this fight out the way, the world of the lightweight division has completely exploded for everybody. And mega fights can potentially be made left, right, and center. And with Shakur Stevenson coming in and putting new life into the division, oh boy, you want to talk about a, 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 a potential great era that we can experience in the world of boxing in the next you shoot between this year and two years from now. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal what we got going on. But on the flip side, in terms of with Ryan Garcia, what needs to be said about Ryan Garcia? Well, he lost. He got KO'd. Absolutely. However, people that are saying that that KO was rigged, fake, and or he quit like Andy Ruiz are absolutely stupid. See, I don't body shame people. In fact, and this is what I'm about to say. It's not body shaming, but it's a testament to what he is as a fighter. Andy Ruiz, the reason why you don't get hurt to the body is because you're built not to get hurt to the body. And plus, you haven't been caught flush in the liver. And let's face it, you have a lot of mass to be able to protect you from, hey, the damaging shockwave of a body shot and or liver shot. People call you fat and all that stuff. No, say what you want. What your physique won you the unified heavyweight championship of the world. So I don't care what anybody says. But that's just the fact of the matter. You are, your build and 
the 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 the, the essentially the quote unquote flab that people say that you have on you makes you better built to be able to take those body attacks. I experience the same way. Absolutely. But with either one of you all, if you got caught flushing the liver, you're not getting up. Tyson Fury ain't get well, Tyson Fury may be able to get up because he's just that different in terms of heart and ability. But most people, even the most hardened of folks, don't get up. They don't get up. It is rare for somebody to get up from a liver shot. Rare for anybody to get up from a flush liver shot and be able to recover. Let alone keep on fighting. Normally, if you get caught like that, you're down and you're down for good. If you're saying that it was Joe, yo, he quit or whatever, you ain't been caught there. That's like saying when somebody got clipped on the chin and they like to go out. Oh, that was a weak punch. What the word? How'd you let that put you out? You ain't been caught right. You ain't been hit on the butt. It don't take much for somebody to get caught on the chin or on the temple and to put their lights out. It don't take much at all. It don't take much at all. Especially against trained world-class opponents. And one of the pound-for-pound pound hardest punchers in the world right now in Tank Davis you can't, this is unfair to say if you get hit, oh, you're weak. No, no, no. He ain't weak. He ain't weak at all. Because if he was weak, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have gotten up in round two when he got caught flush on the chin from a counter with no way to protect himself. That's the punch that you would think would have put him out for good. But he got up and kept moving forward in spite of that. He's got heart. Just like against the Luke Campbell fight when he got clipped and looked like he was he, he was out for good in terms of the way that he fell and how his, 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 the lights went out for a split second. He got up from that and won. He's got heart. He's got... He, he can take a punch and even if he gets knocked down, get back up. It's not out the realm of possibility for him because he's shown that he can do it before. And he showed in that fight he could do it before. The point is, what is it about the liver shot that made it so debilitating. Well, one, it was because of the fact he couldn't see where it was coming from. He couldn't. When he threw that hook and tried to follow up with, again, a right hand that actually caught Tank when Tank threw that straight left to the liver, he was completely exposed, essentially had just had completely extended his body, completely opened up that side of the body, and from that, what happened... There was no way to even register that another punch was coming because of the angle at which Tank threw it. It was so concise and to the point, so straightforward. Again, I missed it. Most people missed it. I was watching it with. Most people missed it. But I went to what? Twin Peaks, so they were showing the fight for free. Thank goodness. <laughs> so glad. You know, I, I would love to pay, but hey, 84 bucks is a whole boy. That's something serious. <laughs> that's that's a good chunk of change. <laughs> but showing it for free. Most people, they didn't react until he went down on a knee. And nobody everybody was asking what the world happened. What did he get hit with? When did he get hit? It was no way for Tank, or excuse me, there's no way, there was no way for Ryan to actively be able to prepare for that punch. And when you're relaxed like that or not expecting it, it's the punches that you don't see that hurt you the most. And especially he shot to the liver. And yes, he got up after the 10 count. Yes. He, here's the thing about that. He knew he, he, he could walk. He couldn't fight. 
You can get up after a body shot. You, you can get up after a liver shot. Maybe. You can't fight after a liver shot. Most people. Most people can't fight after a liver shot. Those people that can are very few. Incredibly few. If he got up, he probably wasn't going to be able to throw a punch. He wasn't going to be able to throw a punch. Let alone, let alone, let alone stand in the heat of a fight. There was, there was no way. There was no way. And if, and if rumor is true, which it seems like it is, part of the brother putting it out on social media, there was a mole in the camp. I can't pronounce the man's name, sadly, but I believe he's fighting uh, upcoming soon. A Russian brother, I believe, I could be wrong, injured him in sparring. And potentially he was the mole that they were talking about previously up in the, the press conferences and whatnot that leaked that Ryan Garcia was hurt to Tank's camp. And because of that, boom, he knew exactly where to attack. Now, would it have changed the outcome? Absolutely not. I still think what would have happened happened. Absolutely. I still think what would have happened happened. Maybe it wouldn't have been to, maybe Ryan Garcia didn't get injured in training camp. And he actually was urgent. Because mind you, Tank was saying that he knew two weeks before that he knew that Tank had gotten hurt to the body. And he said it wasn't in a fight. It was in training. He got asked that directly. And he said that directly. So he knew what was up. He wouldn't have changed the outcome, but he probably wouldn't have ended the fight on a body shot. Potentially, if he wasn't already hurt. But even still, if the shot landed exactly like it landed, that flush... In that situation, ribs or no ribs, hurt or not hurt previously, no, he wouldn't have gotten up. Unless he was just that, a different breed. That's the truth. So I don't hold it against him for not getting up. Because that was just that was a shot that debilitating. The body shut down. Absolutely. What I do hold against Ryan Garcia is the fact that he did not do what he needed to do to take advantage of all of his capabilities. He went away from the jab. He went away from the straight punches. He didn't utilize his height to the level that he needed to, nor did he fight like he should have fought. He did the one thing that you never need to do against Tank Davis, and it showed his immaturity as a boxer. He got over-aggressive and impatient. He went in for the kill in round two, and he was successful three times in forcing Tank to tie up and getting him uncomfortable and making him out of rhythm. In fact, doing what I said he needed to do in the fight, which was start fast, start quick, move quick, get on top of him while he's still trying to download you. That He did that. Yes, absolutely. Problem was his immaturity showed and he got too aggressive. He went to the well too many times. Leo Santa Cruz went to the well too many times. Three straight rights. And what happened? He got caught with the uppercut and got put to sleep. Knocked out and lost his titles. Phenomenal fight. Knocked out and lost his titles. Because he went to the well too many times. Wally Romero came forward. Was successful. Had success with straight punches. However, went to the well too many times. Got over aggressive. And what happened? Got caught. Got put to sleep with a counter. Off the ropes. And what happened this fight? Ryan Garcia... Went to the well too many times. Got caught and got caught again and then got put out. 
didn't learn from the other opponents that when you have success with Tank, you can't beat him just one way. And you have to be respectful of the power to the point where you have to understand when to let your foot off the gas. When to let yourself breathe. When it's time to reset. Like in Tekken. Sometimes you don't, if you, for my gamers out there, if you play Tekken, or Dragon Ball Fighters, or whatever fighting game that you play, Street Fighter, Street Fighter 6 is coming out. Not, not, is it 6? Yeah, it's 6. New Street Fighter. Phenomenal game. Can't wait to see it. You got to understand when you need to keep up the pressure and when it's time to back up, specifically in Tekken. When it's not your turn and you go to the well in Tekken, you get punished. When you get punished, you get countered. When you get countered, it opens up a whole string of attacks for the opponent to do. They can carry you for a combo all the way to the wall or to the edge of the stage. And then from there, they essentially put you in a corner and you can't do anything. Up until it's your turn again. Once you hit the floor and get back to neutral. With Ryan Garcia, got close to Tank, got aggressive, made him uncomfortable, was having success in terms of winning the round, and then went to the well too many times and didn't understand when to back off and how to be aggressive from a distance rather than trying to close the gap and go for the kill. And that's immaturity. And that's what Ryan Garcia is experiencing right now. He got somebody messed him up because of his immaturity. Somebody, the, 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 the gale or the guise of speed wasn't enough to compensate for the lack of maturity and IQ that he hasn't developed yet as a boxer. Granted, he's only 24. The man still has room to grow. Canelo Alvarez lost to Floyd Mayweather and improved to becoming the best fighter in the world at his peak. And that was because of what he learned from the Floyd Mayweather fight. And that's exactly what can happen against, for four, excuse me, Ryan Garcia. Absolutely. The issue is, in this fight, he wasn't there. It, it, had, it wasn't, it's, he's not there yet. And because of that, he had to learn a lesson. He had to learn a lesson in boxing. He had to learn a lesson about traps. Learn a lesson about speed. Learn a lesson about act, actually being able to use your height. Learning a lesson about the X's and O's of boxing. Which is something that Tank has mastered and Ryan Garcia at this moment in time still has a lot to learn. That's what's going on with Ryan Garcia right now. Couple that with the fact that the brother didn't start using his actual length up until, what, rounds six and on? Or rounds five and on? When he started actively using the straight right hand instead of the left hook that wasn't really landing for the majority of the fight. Wasn't really having any success for the majority of the fight when he was throwing the punch. Because Tank kept ducking under it. And also, he kept throwing it naked. Now, normally I'm saying, hey, throw it naked. Surprise them at times. But that's when you're trying to surprise them. If that's your overall game plan, this isn't like Big Bang Zhang who went against Joe Joyce, where he could just throw his left, his power left straight naked without any setup because Joe Joyce was doing nothing to block it whatsoever nor get out the way. There was no need to set it up. If he set it up, it might actually be worse. 
just constantly counter and throw with the left hand. And he was good. He was golden. That situation called for only be, being naked and unafraid in terms of throwing your punches. No setup. Just straight up bang, 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 and finish the job, which is what Zhang did. But Ryan Garcia against Tank, he didn't set up the left hook and kept throwing it naked, and he kept missing. It was a catalyst for why he got knocked down both times. Didn't actively use what he needed to use which was his ability to throw straight punches, keep Tank at a distance, like with Mario Barrios when they fought, which he was successful when they when he fought against Tank. Yes, he got knocked out, but he was having success as the taller opponent. It was working. Tank had to figure out how to get around it. It made Tank have to legitimately pause and, and come up with a better game plan. Which inevitably was, instead of trying to jab in, use your lead left hand as a jab. Like with Roy Jones Jr. when he used to fight back in the day in his prime. He could, his jab or straight right could be used as a jab. The regular fundamental jab or his straight right could have been used as the jab to lead into whatever combination he wanted to. And in that situation with Mario Barrios, that was what was successful. Throwing the lead hand without any setup, using his explosiveness to his advantage, was working. And it got close to Mario Barrios. It helped close the distance. It helped negate the jab of Mario Barrios. And never recalls the knockdown and the knockout. Your TKO, you know, stop the fight. That's what it, and so, but that's adaptability. That is maturity. Ryan Garcia, all he had was the left hand. I said that was the biggest weapon, and it was. The only problem was he didn't set up with anything. So if you got your biggest weapon, but you don't know how to land it, again, you don't have a delivery system for that fight, you can't win. I guess somebody actually knows what they're doing. I guess somebody of the caliber of a Tank Davis. Vine Garcia didn't have an active delivery system for that left hand. He could have thrown a straight right and a left hook and it probably would have worked. That probably could have changed the whole dynamic of the fight potentially. Because that right hand was working. Even if he threw a jab and hook in quick succession because he has the hand speed to do that from a standstill position. Yes, he can Overall, yes, Tank is a faster fighter. But hand speed-wise, yes, Ryan Garcia still has the advantage. Raw hand speed. And he could have used that to his revenge by, by comboing up the proper punches using his jab and letting the jab lead into what other punch he's going to throw. The one-two, the jab hook, maybe the jab right hook as well, or even just double up on the jab. And see what Tank's going to do to have to either get around it or react to it. He didn't do any of that. All of his punches he threw naked. All of his punches he threw were loaded up. And it worked sometimes. But once Ryan got figured out by Tank, there was nothing he could do. There was nothing he could do. Again, round six and seven, when he was using the straight right, instead of using the hook so heavily, Stuff started happening. Oh, length on a longer fighter actively is effective. 
but he figured it out too late. And then got caught with the same counter just in the liver instead of in the head. Then he got caught with him round two because what did he do? Heavily relied on the hook. Now we look at Ryan Garcia and the man right now for any top fighter. Yes, he's still dangerous. Yes, still has a lot to learn, but he's got to understand that he needs to that he needs to garner more abilities than just his left hook and raw speed. Because it's not enough. It's not enough at this other level that you want to get to. It's not enough. Tank is the barometer right now. But Lomachenko can beat you. Devin Haney can beat you. Any competitive light heavyweight or lightweight right now. Excuse me. Any, I believe he's moving up to 140. Hey, even still. Now that he's moving up from 135 to 140. Now the situation where, hey, Tank had pop. Most people in 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 the in the uh in the 140 pound division, they don't got pop like Tank. Understandable. However, on average, they have a higher pop than most people in the division. They got a higher pop than Luke Campbell, I'll tell you that much. And they'll be able to capitalize on your weaknesses that now are shown. And you have to be able, if you're Ryan Garcia, to understand, okay, I need to go back to the drawing board because this basic tactic that I've had, I don't know how to set it up. I don't have that in me. I don't need to go away from it because it's one of my best weapons. Not never saying go away from what you what you are good at. I'm saying master how to make what you're good at work. Deontay Wilder for all the mess that we give him for his boxing ability and it's well deserved. Guess what? He's mastered the art of the delivery of the right hand. Nobody we can argue nobody in heavyweight history maybe has mastered the ability to land the right hand on a consistent basis like we've seen Deontay Wilder. The greatest right hand that I have ever seen in boxing. The most destructive right hand I've ever seen in boxing. Joe Lewis had one of the greatest I've ever seen. George Foreman had one of the greatest I've ever seen. Many boxers have had Lynch Lewis. Phenomenal right hand. Klitschko. We, like, we get that. But in terms of outright destruction, the most dangerous right hand I've ever seen. And if it lands, even if it doesn't land, the, the best right hand I've seen. He has nothing else, but guess what? He understood how to utilize that. Say what you want about his ability. Every opponent he faced, including Ryan Garcia, not, not Ryan Garcia, including Tyson Fury, touched the mat. Every single fighter who he has fought has, has gotten on the campus. And most, except for, except for, Tyson Fury did not get up. I don't care how technically devoid he is. He's mastered the art of a delivery system. That's what Ryan Garcia needs to understand. He's got to master the art of finding a way to deliver that left hip, that left hook so that it's always going to land. How to disguise it with another punch. How to mask it with combinations. How to not just keep you, leave yourself wide open with the way that you throw the hook. All of it has to be 
changed. If he wants to have the ability to go and elevate from this moment. This is his Canelo moment. He has an opportunity to learn, grow, watch, rewatch this fight, see what Tank did and apply it to his own game and turn into a monster of a fighter. Because he can still be one of the bigger names in the entire sport. Yes, he can. He still is one of the bigger names in the entire sport. He's not a scrub. He's not a bum. This is a legitimate talent. This is a top-tier talent. But right now, he's talent without technique. He's gotten away with technique this whole time. Now that he got exposed by somebody that both has talent and technique, he's got to learn, I need to elevate myself now. Because if I don't, I'm going to be stuck. I'm going to be stuck as a perennial gatekeeper that won't be able to get to the upper echelon of the boxing world and take on people like Shakur, take on people like Loma, take on anybody in the top echelon of 140. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. This is a time for him to elevate and improve. If he doesn't, it's on him. I don't, know why, I don't know why Joe Goosen, who was his coach, wasn't saying anything to help him out either in terms of giving him a way to, to make a delivery system mid-fight or get away from what wasn't working and adapt to what was. Tank was able to do that. Yes, his coaches were phenomenal giving him advice, but he was also able to do that by himself. That's what Ryan Garcia, that's what Ryan Garcia needs to get to, that level of adaptability. He can't adapt. He can only fight. If you can fight, that's great. But if you can adapt, that's a different animal. Because now you don't need a one-track game plan to make something work. Right now, that's what Ryan Garcia has been operating on all of his career. Land a left hook, I'm good. Use my raw speed, I'm good. Now that's not the case anymore. And because of that, he's got to get himself up and dust himself off, which he can. He's handling this loss very well. One thing I was concerned about leading up to this fight, handling the loss very well. Now he's got to learn to move forward and up his game. He's, I believe he's already gone, oh, gone, done away with Goosen, got a new trainer. Phenomenal. Great. Doesn't change what are you going to prioritize when it comes to training yourself? What are you looking to get out of this out of this switch in trainers? What skills are you learning to grasp? And I hope it's adaptability. I hope it's being better at using your length, using your jab, and being able to fight from a distance. And I hope it's finding a consistent way to deliver the left hook. From multiple different situations, scenarios, and ranges. So that you're not in position to get caught like you kept getting caught and get put out like you got put out by Tank Davis. This is your time to improve. Are you going to take advantage of it or not? That's the question for Ryan Garcia at this moment in time. Still a bright future, but is he going to actively make himself better? Actively take this loss and improve beyond his current level of talent and tie technique with it. Because if not, he's going to have a big problem on his hands. But now, for round two, moving on.
we have to talk about Canelo Alvarez fighting against John Ryder, winning in a, well, I believe it was a unanimous decision. I had it 10 rounds to two, so we may have had it closer either way. Excuse me, 10 rounds to three, excuse me. Canelo goes to Guadalajara, Mexico. The pride, or as the pride of his city. In a 90,000 capacity crowd. Phenomenal atmosphere. Phenomenal fight. I'm telling you, when boxing, at its, when boxing is at its best, few sports can compete with the pop circumstance and outright energy that it brings. And I love the NBA. The NBA is my favorite sport. NBA can't compete with that. And I felt not the Super Bowl in some situations can't compete with what boxing can bring at its best. And I said it and I mean it because it's true. It's true. Very few things can compete with the world of boxing when it's at its peak in terms of atmosphere, hype, and overall presentation. Very few. Soccer in the World Cup, yes. But outside of that, who, boy, the Premier League, absolutely. La Liga, yeah. But at its best, boxing can compete with any sport in the world. In terms of overall appeal and hype. That's what this fight, well, that's what the lead up to this fight was. But the fight in and of itself brought up more questions about Canelo than I wanted asked when it came to this fight. There's a problem with Canelo Alvarez. There's a real problem. And that problem is in the form of a question. Is he the same? Is Canelo Alvarez the same? With this fight, when he fought against John Ryder, John Ryder, I believe his record was, if I have it correctly, thirty-two and five. Yep, thirty-two and five. Had lost to Daniel Jacobs. Had lost to Billy Joe Saunders. Had lost to Callum Smith. All of whom he had beat, or Canelo had beat. Lost to Rocky Fielding as well. We know Canelo's way above that in terms of talent level. And with this, many people had objections to how Canelo Alvarez fought against Triple G, specifically in the latter part of the fight when it seemed like he was losing gas, losing steam, wasn't being the productive Canelo that we know he can be. And they wanted to see this fight against an opponent he should outright watch. What can you do? And he had a good performance. Don't get it twisted. Couple knockdowns that he had. Stunned. Ryder multiple times in this fight. It was a very entertaining affair. Again, knocked him down in the fifth, knocked him down in the ninth. Was phenomenal. Cut him up, had him bleeding, had all that stuff. He won the fight outright, absolutely. Problem was, he didn't get rid of him. Now, why do I say that's a pop? Normally, I'm not, I'm not big on if you get rid of somebody or not. Because if you, can, if you can win the fight, you can win the fight. Understandably so. And I get, yes, how you win a fight is incredibly important. But sometimes the situation where somebody's just tough and they, they, just won't, they won't go away. Understandable. There's people that may not be talent-wise up there, but in terms of heart and just overall tenacity, yeah, they're like that. They will not give up. They'll eat punches and keep on coming. And if the ref doesn't stop, then we're we going to keep fighting. 
Some people are like that. And John was an incredibly tough opponent in terms of being able to take hits, his tenacity, his ability to not give up, and his constantly, his constant willingness to trade, even when he was hurt. Applaud him for that. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But Canelo, in this situation, could not get him out of there. And he couldn't knock him out. And it's, a, it's frustrating because of the fact that multiple times he had him stunned, wobbled, hurt. One time he had him stunned three times in a round and didn't get rid of him. And in rounds 10, or you can argue rounds 9, 10, 11, no. 10, 11, and 12, rounds 10, 11, and 12, at least 11 and 12, definitely. Vider won after being beat the entirety of the fight. And he kept coming back. And Canelo wasn't doing what he needed to do to finish the job. If Canelo had just started throwing combinations like he used to, that fight would have been over. The fight would have been stopped. If he had just kept on pressing forward and, and let his hands go, because the brother was eating shots, and that's a whole other problem in and of itself. But he could have gotten him out there. He should have gotten him out of there with how he was beating him. And the way John Ryder was fighting in this fight, he should have gotten him out of there. This fight should have ended after the ninth round. Absolutely, it should have ended after the ninth round. There's no reason in the world he should have kept on going. It could have ended after round five with that 10-8 round. If he had kept on moving forward and let his hands go. But he didn't. He fought like he fought against Bebo. And he fought like he fought against Gennady Golovkin. And that is... Which is what I've been concerned about. One shot, power shots is his strategy. Moving forward, not necessarily using a whole bunch of head moving and allowing himself to just say, I'm going to put my guard up, walk forward, and I'm going to land big shots instead of doing what I can do, which is throw it half the power, twice the speed, and get you out of there with volume. Can lose a great combination puncher. It's a phenomenal combination puncher. We know this. We know this. Even when he moved up and tried and and and, and was punching people like uh 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 Kovalev or the other Smith brother, Callum Smith's brother, he was able to use combinations that were effective. Even though he was loading up, guess what? It was still the man was throwing two, three, sometimes four at a time. Willing to let his hands go and use head movement as a means of defense. Now, walking down, he's never been fleet of foot. Ain't had a bunch of foot speed, understandable. But te technically, he was phenomenal. That's the reason why we viewed him as the best in the world at one point in time. But he had the defensively slipping head movement. Ability to evade punches even while moving forward was some of the best in the world at his peak. Just look at the Daniel Jacobs fight. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Where was that here? Where was that here? Where was that in the Kanani Golovkin fight? We know why it wasn't in the Dimitri Bebo fight because was, he was too bulky for his own good. I've been said it. Can't fight at 175. Shouldn't fight at 170. Should not fight at 175 again after he fought Bebo the first time. Now that he beat John Ryder, shouldn't do that at all. He better stay his butt at 168 or it's going to be a problem. He's going to lose again. It's riskier for, to have, or you're putting more on the line, per se, if you put, 
if you let Bevo come down to 168 like he wants to and allow him to potentially take your titles at your own division, yes, it's riskier, but it's at least better in your favor in terms of the even playing field because now you're at your peak weight. You will at least be at your best, even though you can potentially lose everything. But moving up and then not being able to, moving up, gaining nothing, or moving up with everything to gain nothing to lose, but you're still going to lose, what the world? In my, in my opinion, there's no point. I get it. You want to beat him at his own game. I get it. But you can't because your body can't handle it. 60, 168 is your best weight. Super middleweight is your best weight. Anything above that is a problem. Major problem. And you need to stay where you are. But right now, looking at Canelo, even if he stays where he is, he won't be able to fight like he needs to fight. Looking at Canelo right now, if he stays where he is, he won't be able to fight like he needs to fight. It'll be a legitimate concern and a legitimate problem for fighting somebody like David Benavidez now. See, I was thinking that because he beat Gennady Golovkin after he came down from 168 or it came down from 175, it would be a situation where he would be a whole lot better. Now he's readjusted back to the weight of super middleweight, readjusted to 168. Everything will be fine. And everything will be okay. Now that he's back, we'll see in the next fight, like against John Ryder, the full version of Canelo Alvarez. But with that fight, he, after that fight, excuse me, after the Gennady Golovkin fight, with this John Ryder fight, he's still fighting the same. He's still loading up on shots. He's still not using head movement to evade punches that he should be able to evade. And not being the Canelo that we saw in the past. And that brings up a whole new bag of concerns for me now. Now we have a legitimate question. Can he actively be able to beat somebody like a David Benavides? Could he beat Bevo again? Can my whole excuse for beating Bevo? Like I just said, 175 too big, can't utilize everything. 168. Perfect, fine. Gennady Golovkin didn't look great. He won. Yes, he, I mean, he looked great for half the fight. And then Gennady started picking up steam. He didn't, he didn't look like, I was like, what the world? But he won. I was benefited of the doubt. Readjusted. Now he's going to be back to what we know he can be. But if he's fighting the same way he fought Bevo like he, at 175, at 168, and he hopes to rematch Bevo either after 175 or for his own belts here in his weight class, he'll lose in both situations. Because now, the same traits are showing forth. He's regressed seemingly. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Why is it that Canelo Alvarez all of a sudden doesn't look like the fighter that we were saying is a pound-for-pound pound best, best fighter in the world, or excuse me, the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world. Many people were saying that. Me included at one point in time. It was him and Chance Crawford. At minimum, 1A, 1B. That's what I had it. However, however you felt, he was firmly in the top three. Now, he's still there because he's undisputed champ. Don't get it twisted. If you're undisputed, you deserve to be in the pound-for-pound pound conversation. My one is Noah anyway. And until something shows me otherwise to change it, that's what it's going to be. But the point still stands. Regardless of who you have there, if you're undisputed, you deserve to be there. 
and Canelo is still undisputed and deserve to be there. But now we're looking at the talent. Talent-wise, there's a problem. There's a big problem. He's fighting like a shell of himself. And there's no restrictions involved with that now. There's no weight to blame it on. Not a short training camp, nothing like that. It's just, he. this is this his new fighting style. And if so, why? Is it because of age? And I'm hesitant to say that because he's only 32 years old. But he's had 50 fights. We're talking about John Luke, he's had 50 fights. The, the, the mileage on the body is different for everybody. And thankfully, he, he's, had, he's been blessed enough to be able to go for this long. But at some point in time, stuff is going to catch up to you. The clock. Of boxing always ticks quicker than we think. Quicker than anybody realizes. Some people are able to overcome it and not running. Others never. But inevitably all succumb to it. At some point in time. That's what normally happens. But with somebody like Canelo. Who's fighting again like. Canelo's been fighting. 50 fights already at 32 years old. Which I love to see. And I want to see more boxers fight more often. Absolutely. But on Cinco de Mayo, or the day after Cinco de Mayo, celebrating Cinco de Mayo, which Ken Alvarez loves to fight on, did we see not just you know, the celebration of a holiday, but the date of a death of the best version of Canelo Alvarez? Because now we're looking at him and, and I'm seeing more holes than I would like to. And with this type of fighting style, where he's plotting forward, not moving his head, not throwing combination punches, not because again, like I said, he could have gotten John Ryder out of there if he threw at half the, at half the power, double the speed, and allowed for his hands to let loose, especially because he was eating punches from John Ryder, uppercuts and hooks, both through and around the guard, the high guard of Canelo. If he had used the tactics of old, he could have definitely gotten him out of there. But he's still loading up. He's still heavily relying on power shots. He's still heavily relying on a guard instead of the head movement that we know and love Canelo for. And the overall defensive ability that made him, again, the best in the world at one point in time. At minimum, tied. And the definitive face to boxing. But that face to boxing argument, conversation for a whole nother day. That's a whole nother show. But in terms of this fight in particular and with Canelo, there's cause for pause as to whether or not Canelo is regressing. And I think that pause leads to a yes. And it's dangerous. Because now that he beat John Ryder, now that he handled his mandatory, people that are coming down the pike to fight him, David Benavidez. People like Bevo, again, BK LaPlante. Okay, yeah, sure. Absolutely, no doubt about it. But other fighters are starting to call his name. Charlo, I think I think Charlo is starting to call his name. Or at least the fans are starting to call for Charlo to fight him. Well, these bigger names, what is it that he's going to be able to do against him with this style of boxing? Because right now, now, I don't know if he beats David Benavides. Charlo, yes, I think he still is able to be. But David Benavides, this Canelo against David Benavides, I am not as sure as I thought that he can that, that he can win. I 
still think that overall Canelo is a better fighter. But like I just said with Ryan Garcia, if he uses everything, yes, he's absolutely better than David Benavidez. But if he just goes for a guard and try to overpower you with one shot, one hit of quitters, no. Not against somebody like David Benavidez. Not against the Mexican monster. This Canelo, I don't, I'm not as confident that he can beat David Benavidez. Not saying that he cannot. He can. But in terms of how confident I was, in terms of it would be a phenomenal fight, but I got Canelo winning. That Canelo that I was talking about in that fight is not the same as this Canelo I'm talking about if that fight's made. It's not the same at all. It's not the same at all. And if Canelo wants to keep his reign in his of his claim of being the face of boxing, he's got to be able to go back to what he was. Because what he is right now is not conducive to holding on to that throne. It's not. It's still incredibly entertaining. It's still box office. It's still worth it to pay money for. You still gather around and get let people see what you can do if you're Canelo. Absolutely. But in terms of winning, now there's a bigger question of whether or not you can actively beat somebody than it was in the past with the way you're fighting right now. And could it be because time is catching up to him? Could it be because fight time is catching up to him? And he can't do what he used to do back in the day. At his best, at his peak, at his, at his prime. When he was beating people like Kovalev, when he was moving up, when he got undisputed, when he beat Billy Joe Saunders. All those fights. Now, is it a matter of, of he can't do what he used to do? Like with Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury ain't nowhere near the fighter that he used to be in the past. Tyson Fury used to be a lot more mobile. I thought he was do, plotting and moving forward more due to the fact that he was fighting Deontay Wilder. But even after Deontay Wilder, when he fought somebody like Derek, Derek Chisora, he still wasn't bouncing around nearly as much as he used to. He still wasn't being the loose, fleet-footed heavyweight that we knew he, he is or was at the peak of his powers. He was still moving, don't get me wrong. Still blew him out the water, absolutely. Jared Jordan is not a contest for somebody like Tyson Fury. We understand that. It was more so out of, you know, a, fr a friendly gesture. Because they're close friends and giving another brother a payday. Absolutely, no doubt about it. And Jordan put up the best fight he could. No disrespect to him. The point still stands. What the fight was is what the fight was. And what the fight was was a wash. And it was a wash with him fighting a very watered-down version of what he used to be when he was jumping up and down, moving all around. Very much herky-jerky. Like against Klitschko. Like in the first Deontay Wilder fight. All of them. Like when he first came to America. Now he's fighting in a more flat-footed, lumber-on-you, lay-on-you, not necessarily as, as agile all the time. You, and it could be because age can't do what he used to do. It's like what Ali after he came out off the layoff three years after 
He was wrongly banned from boxing. He went in, and what did he do? Lost to Joe Frazier. And he had one of the greatest trilogies of all time. But within that trilogy, his fight style changed. He wasn't bouncing around as much. Now he was more so willing to go through exchanges. He was willing to go through exchanges. He'll go toe-to-toe with you. I mean, he always had that dog in him of, I'll, if you want to go that route, I'll go that route. We can go there if you want to. He was always like that. He's the, he's the greatest. He is the greatest. He's Ali. There's nothing more needed. There's nothing more that needs to be said. He was a different animal. But despite that, he'll fight you any way you want to, but he will also, he also had a preferred fighting style that he could not do because of time. Instead of him bouncing around all fight from rounds one to twelve, now he might he might have bounced around rounds one through three, plod, go back to bouncing around in rounds five, six, plod for seven, eight, and then 10, 11, 12, pick it up and take it out. Adapt when to turn it on and turn it off because you couldn't keep it on the entire time. In terms of with his signature style. It wasn't the case. He just couldn't do it. There was a distinct difference. And that's, again, adaptability is incredible. And that's what makes fighters great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dissuading anything about Ali or dissuading anything about um, Fury. Just because their fighting style changed. But it changed and it worked and it fit for the better. And now... Now, however, changed and it worked, but it fit for the worst for Canelo. Because it's a situation where you had him where you wanted him, but yet your newfound style doesn't allow you to take out what you need to take out. You can't eat your food when it's hurt. Oh, excuse me. You can't, you can't kill the enemy when they're wounded now because of how you shoot. It's like you can't take advantage of what's in front of you when the opportunity strikes and rises because now your new fighting style doesn't let you do that. And Canelo, his fighting style right now isn't letting him finish off opponents that he should be knocking out or having the ref stop the fight. It's not happening. It's almost a reluctancy to let his hands go and, and, and move and boom, get on the gas. Whatever the case is, I don't know. Again, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe so. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'm not saying I'm I'm some guru. But I know what I know. And I know what I see. And I know the stories of the past. And I know fighters of the past. And because of that, I know exactly where this trend can lead to. For some, it leads incredibly well. For others, like Roy Jones Jr., it leads down a very bad path. Canelo hasn't hit that yet. The loss this time is the, the, the one loss outside of Floyd was because of weight. No doubt about it. If he loses again this time at 168, though, it's because now his time might be gone in terms of being peak peak. Not saying it is, not saying it's absolute. What I'm saying is, 
the chinks in the armor that I thought were caused by fighting up your weight class, which again is chasing greatness. No wrong, nothing wrong with that. But even with that, now if you lose in this situation at your own weight, not as the Canelo that we were deeming as the pound for pound king, but as this version of Canelo that we currently see that even John Ryder was able to actively gain some success on. No offense to John Ryder, but he shouldn't have been as hurt as he was. He shouldn't have been getting shots off like that. That fight should have been stopped sooner. And it wasn't. This makes us ask questions of what are you and who are you now as a fighter? I'm not saying that it's over. I'm not saying that, oh, he's washed. No, that's stupid and that's ignorant if you say something like that. You're dumb if you say something like that. You're absolutely brain dead if you say something like that. Ignorance at its finest if that's the mentality that you're holding. Some folks out here on the internet be doing stuff like that. They stupid, ignorant, dumb. Oh, gosh. They hate just to hate. And that's not what we're about here. We're about facts. The fact of the matter is, the question now is louder and louder. Now that the way is open to fight the other major contenders in your division, is this Canelo built to beat them? And now, after the John Ryder fight, the question that is being asked of can he beat them, the answer is now muddled rather than clear. Used to be it was clear. Or at least clearer. Yes, he could lose, but confidence in him winning was higher, higher, higher. Now, however, it's not the case anymore. It's not for me. Now, this Canelo is a Canelo with holes. Holes that can be exploited. Holes that have already been exploited by Bevo. And holes that David Benavidez can potentially exploit. Or, excuse me, is guaranteed to exploit. And can be spelled big trouble for Canelo. Holds that Jamal Charlo. Is it Jamal? Jamal. One of the Charlo brothers. Who are in line to fight him. Who want to fight him. Whose fans call for him to fight Canelo. Well I think Canelo's a league's better fighter than Charlo. Charlo can definitely. This Canelo. Charlo can definitely beat him. It's no longer concrete set in stone now. It makes one more entertaining bout, don't get me wrong, but it also makes me wonder what is it that is hurting Canelo's chances in terms of why is he fighting this way? Why is he fighting not using his full array of talent at his disposal? Is it age? Is the biggest question and is the most Logical thing I can come up with, but I don't know. Does he need to leave Eddie Renosos? No, he doesn't. Absolutely not. But even still, the question becomes, it's, it's got to be age, right? Unless I'm missing something, the most logical thing, it's got to be the, the, the boxing clock is caught up. And if I'm wrong, please do tell. Go in the comments and go to war. Talk, fight, whatever you got to do. Make your opinion known. I would love to read what you think about this whole situation. But why Canelo isn't Canelo. 
But I think his age may be starting to catch up to him. And if so, that's fine. It's just time we get that it happens to us all, especially in the boxing world. The question becomes, where is the adaptation to fully encapsulate his newfound ability if, in fact, he is on the decline? And if he's not on the decline, Bernard Hopkins said, said this. At some point in time, boxers hit a wall. And that, and that wall isn't because they're too old. They're still at the peak of their powers. But they are not fighting at the peak of their ability. They're not out of their prime, but they're fighting out of their prime. Why? It's because they've hit a wall and something is missing. Get through that wall, you can fight like you used to. Get stuck on that wall, you're, gotta, you, you're forever changed. That's it. Again, I'll go back to the Ali situation. Ali, even when he hit that wall of being on the decline of his prime due to the three-year layoff, he still was able to fight. You still saw Ali in Ali, even amongst the changes. Yes, he had to be more plotting. Yes, he had to be more guard-heavy rather than slip-heavy. But he was still slipping. He still turned it on. He still showed what he could do. He still showed that he implemented it. He just implemented it in a different way. And he knew that he had to be sporadic with it. But he still had it in him. Still had it in him. And still utilized it. Just was more judicial. That's fine. That's all I'm asking for when it comes to Canelo. Even if you can't be what you used to be. If it is in fact age. At least be judicial with it. And show you still got it. But if it's not age. If you have indeed hit that wall. It's up to him whether he can break out of it. It's up to him. That's all I can say. It's up to him. Whether or not he breaks out of this is up to him. Because right now. Where he's fighting right now can beat the majority of people. But at the upper echelon, it's up in the air. More than ever before. People are chomping at the... Fighters are chomping at the bit now to fight Canelo. More than ever. Because of the fact that this fight showed something that they didn't see before. And that was vulnerability. Yes, Bevo beat him. Ooh, yes, Floyd beat him. Floyd beat him when he was progressing at 22 years old. 22, 24. Around the same age as Ryan Garcia. Hadn't reached the peak of his power. Hadn't learned everything. Didn't mature yet. After that fight skyrocketed. Matured and got to the best in the world. Arguably the best in the world. Pound for pound he was in the conversation of one, two. One of those two. One or two, excuse me. But now, he's in a situation where he's... It's a legitimate question. And the vulnerability isn't that he hasn't reached the peak. The vulnerability now is whether or not he is indeed, whether or not this is indeed the Canelo that's here to stay. Not whether he's trajectory forward. Now, has this decrease in seemingly technique and ability? 
is this permanent? Because if this is permanent, oh, they got a shot. And it's not a shot in terms of weight. Because like I said, like I keep saying, when he lost to Bevo, weight was the dominant factor. Too big for his own good. He can't handle 175 in his own body. Can't do it. Bevo had an incredible game plan. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of his individual performance, no, it was bad because he couldn't handle his own weight. He had to sacrifice agility for power moving up to 175. Still strong like an ox, but he couldn't do everything he wanted to do. Couldn't move around the ring. Couldn't slip like he wanted to because it took up energy. Everything took energy. Now, he's back at 168. That excuse, or rather not, not that excuse, that s situation that was genuinely the cause is not something that you can point to anymore. And because of that, we're looking at a situation where Canelo, now, if this is the Canelo that we have, that's here to stay. Oh, they're ready to eat. Other boxers now are ready to eat. Because now the chink seems permanent. The chink in the armor seems permanent. Seemingly, he didn't regenerate. And this could be a situation where moving up from one to 175, like with Roy Jones Jr., messed him up. And he fought too high, moving back down. Now he's not the same. I hope that's not the case. But my goodness, it's looking like it. All these things, again, speculation. Food for thought. My opinion. It all could be wrong. It all could be right. We don't know up until time moves forward. But these are things that we need to keep an eye out on when we're talking about Kendall Alvarez. Because now, this isn't the Canelo that we know and love and respect and revere. We still respect him. Still love him. But we see there's a legitimate difference. Because there's a legitimate difference, how much does that affect his ability to compete against other great fighters in the division, like a Charlo and like a David Benavidez. Because whatever fight that we were hoping to get, if this is the Canelo that we're fighting now, it could be completely different. It could be completely different. For better or for worse, it could be completely different. But if this is the Canelo that we're having for these upcoming mega fights that we think are going to happen and transpire, we could be looking at a very different trajectory for the second half of Canelo Alvarez's career. Where it leads, who knows? Point being, it's a ride that you're going to want to watch. Because we've seen this happen before. And we've seen the outcome before. Both the good and the bad. Which side of the scale is Canelo going to fall on? Yet to be determined, but trust and believe I'm going to be sitting back and watching. It's going to be exciting. Definitely going to be exciting. But now, for the last round of, of the show, Henry Cejudo versus Sterling. And you, I, I, I believe it was UFC 288, this past UFC event. Mega fight in Bantamweight. Henry Cejudo fighting Triple C, fighting for the first time in three years after a layoff against Sterling, who was looking to solidify himself as a legitimate champion in a lot of people's eyes, 
after. Remember, he got the belt because of a illegal knee. And many people still, still to this day were holding that against him as, oh, you're not a legitimate champion. Now you go up against one of the greatest bantamweights and one of the greatest UFC fighters in the world, an Olympian, a, a multi, I believe a multi-champion. Either multi No, was he multi-division or multi-time? Might have been both. Either way, one of the greatest of all time, former champion, former multiple-time champion, Sterling at his point to prove that he is, in fact, deserving of the claim of the best bantamweight in the world. And this fight was hotly contested. You want to talk about a close affair. This fight was an incredibly close affair. I'm talking about, I had it, it was, it was, it was so up in the air. I had, I was thinking about asking folks around me who the world they, who in the world they had winning each respective round because it was so close. A couple of them I had as draws because Sterling was striking, but Cejudo would get him on the ground. But then Sterling would would get a takedown in the round, but then Cejudo would be able to push the aggression. It was back and forth all night long, incredibly close. I loved it. But a deserving fighter won, in my opinion, and Sterling got the victory. Sterling now can get that monkey off his back, shake it off his back. That he's no longer going to be disrespected in terms of being in this bantamweight division. No longer is he going to be seen as somebody who was eh or whatever. He, he wasn't really deserving. No, he was deserving. Is deserving. And deserved to win this fight, even though. If you had it as a draw, or if you had it as a Hudo winning, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. He was able to take down Cejudo on top of the striking. Now, granted, Hudo had Cejudo had more ground control when he got him on the ground. Yes, he did. Cejudo was able to actually actively close the gap and be successful when it came to when it came to closing distance and getting to where he's comfortable which is grappling, but Sterling did just enough in this hotly contested, he did just enough to defend enough takedowns, earn some takedowns of his own, not get put into a mount position where he could get ground and pound on, and in some cases was able to control Henry Cejudo on the ground. Top, top that off with his aggressive form of striking, his jab that was able to keep yeah, it was able to make that force Henry Cejudo had to find new avenues to close the distance, and that was connecting. This, this phenomenal fight. I would love to see a rematch. Henry Cejudo was, was talking about potentially this would be his last fight. Going to talk about it with, his, with his wife and family. If this is the first fight after a three-year layoff, I want to see him fight again. More than anything, I want to see him fight again. This is a fight, Henry Cejudo, who first fight, against the best in the division at that point in time, after you ain't touched a mat, or at least been in legitimate, legitimate competition. Yes, he's been training. Yes, he was healthy. Yes, he looked fit and looked strong like a bull. Absolutely. I mean, chiseled left, right, and center. But he still, even after all that layoff, even with all the training, hadn't actively been in the ring, or in the octagon, excuse me, with something on the line in an actual fight. When they when they when Bruce Buffer says it's time, he hadn't been in that, in that environment in so long. Some people may have thought that he may have forgotten what it's like to be amongst 
the fanfare that is the UFC and be in the moment that is a UFC fight, especially a championship fight. But he, he looked like he looked so comfortable. He looked like he knew exactly what he was doing. It, he, he looked like he never left. And I want to see him fight again. This was a valiant effort. I would love to see a rematch. If he's got to earn a rematch, earn the rematch. He can earn the rematch, absolutely. But I need to see Henry Cejudo, Henry Cejudo fight again. Because Triple C still looks like he can beat Triple C. It doesn't look like a big drop-off, especially against the best in, in that division. He looked comfortable right at home. There was nothing that said that he needed to call it quits. And he was a scorecard away from re regaining the championship. This man still is deadly. And I hope his family and his wife and children, absolutely, take into account all that. Do what you got to do. Family first, undoubtedly. But if they let him fight again, I hope that it actually happens. I really do hope they say go on out there and make one last run. I really do. Because he is absolutely built for that division. And against the best of the best, he showed that he belonged. And I want to see him fight so bad. Because it looks like he can work his way back to the top again. That Henry Cejudo beats a lot, if not most, if not all, in that division. Sterling just had a phenomenal game plan. And he is the champion and he fought like it. Use his length to his advantage. Use his striking to his advantage. And was able to defend takedowns. Even though Cejudo had more control when he got the takedown. Sterling was able to actually give him a run for his money when he came to grappling. Phenomenal. But that's, that is Cejudo with a three-year layoff. If Cejudo fights more consistently, we can see this man get back to peak form, potentially. I don't know. If he looks this good, this early out the gate in his return against the best of the best, sky's the limit for this brother, potentially, at this point in time, if he keeps it going. And I hope it happens. Because he is a phenomenal fighter. Phenomenal fighter. It will be, it will be, it will be a George Cian fight again. Because he looked like he belonged. He looked like he's back home. And I would love to see him back home. And Sterling, but keep up your dominance. You used to be one of the greatest of all time. Now you got you keep it up. You've earned the respect for me and everybody else. Now it's time to actively keep said respect by keeping everybody's name or keeping your name in everybody else's mouth by continually dominating and being successful. Yes, he didn't dominate this fight. It was an incredibly close fight. But the point is, now that you've experienced the taste of what it's like to fight against true elite greatness in terms of Hall of Fame caliber greatness, you should look at everybody else in your division and say, nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Not strongly think he can. But I would love to see a rematch between those two. At some point down the line, shoot, if it happens next, I would love to see it. If. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. But if it does happen, phenomenal fight. 
that would be a, 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 a joy to see again. And absolutely, because if it's that close the first time, my goodness, the second time, who boy? Who boy could even could be even more nerve-wracking? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't. In, in terms of action, it was more technical rather than just outright slugfest. But it was still like, ooh, good shot. Ooh, good takedown. Ooh, good defense. Oh, can he get him down? Oh, man. You had moments. You had phenomenal moments in that fight. So Hudo doing the splits to defend against the takedown. Sudo catching him with the right hand. Sterling doing question kicks. Back, spinning back fists. Sudo ducking under you to try to counter. It was It was great. In a fight that I would love to see happen again if we get the opportunity. Props to him. Another great event by the UFC. And my goodness, I can't wait to see more that comes down the pipe when it comes to the world of combat sports. And we're going to be right here to cover it all. Trust and believe. But this has been another episode of the World Report. I've been so happy to be with you today. It was a phenomenal. I love this. This is great. We're back on our routine. Be sure to, to share the channel. Leave a like on the video. Comment your thoughts and opinions. And subscribe so we can get this counter, describe counter up. And listen to it on the podcast as well. On Google, on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find podcasts. I'm there. I've been the World Report. You've been my beautiful listeners and viewers. Peace and love. We are out of here.